Coffee Time Wednesdays with uh, the Prairie Farm Podcast. Can't hit us with the jingle. Welcome back to the Prairie Farm Podcast. Coffee Time Wednesday. Nick, tell us about your singing career. It was very. It was pretty long lived. Uh, it. You guys heard the start of it about ten seconds ago, and you heard the end of it about. <laughs> Seven Nick, seconds Nick ago. actually did have a dancing career, though. Did I have a Not a career, career, but a job. Oh, yeah, yeah. I used to teach dance, uh, specifically West Coast Swing. I got paid for it. I was I was not amazing, but I was pretty good. I put myself in the pretty good category. Um, Nick told me he used to sweat through his clothes every day. Okay, so I'd go to these like big dance conventions, right? And the there's like lessons during the day and competitions, but at night it's just open floor dancing where you dance with partners. It's partner dancing. It's not like the waltz. It's more like the salsa, similar to salsa, but less Latin. And, uh, uh, I'm a sweaty guy. So I'm not never kidding. Actually, I've never actually really noticed that about you. I'm not there's kidding. There's been plenty of opportunities to see you sweat. I sw- I would bring like 10 shirts, uh, for a two day trip. And I'd sweat through all of them. Ugh. Every single one of them. I'd sweat through but those. You're never like sweating like that when you're out like spraying in big blue mm. and stuff. No, I don't know. I, I drink gallons of water and not pee all night. Gallons, plural. That's how much I was sweating. But here's the thing. I don't know why. My sweat, my nervous sweat does, but my sweat doesn't really smell. Like it, it I could be drenched in sweat and I'm not like a sw- gross BO. You don't smell like foxglove. But... <laughs> No, dude, that stuff's bad. Dude, but if I'm nervous, like if I, the other day I ran into someone at Menards and I felt kind of awkward and nervous and I started smelling bad. So was it your ex, Nick? No, <laughs> no, it wasn't my ex. It was like an older gentleman that my wife and I know. Oh, and it, so it, it your went- ex's new husband? No, we probably better cut that out. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> um, all my exes are great, great people. They're they're doing great. Any exes that live in Texas? One. You can identify with that song. I don't know the song. You never heard of all my exes live in Texas? No. <laughs> no. Well, maybe you can dance to it later. No. Dude, Anyways, I'm... we need to we need to get onto relevant stuff here, and it's my fault <laughs> that we're not. But. What do you got, Kent? Uh, my brother-in-law, Ben. Uh, shout out to Ben. Uh, Give his last name and his address, just so that people know who you're talking about. <laughs> cell phone number. No, my uh, my brother-in-law, I'll give his last name, Ben Rhine, like the river in Europe. Um, he uh, He's a very thoughtful person. We oftentimes... Uh, debate with each other at family gatherings and wow and stuff like that. Can't just we both throw in, and fists. And we you both. But here's it. the thing: is we both enjoy it. Like everyone around us gets kind of like <laughs> on edge. You know what I mean? Because they because you took all three hours of Thanksgiving dinner meal to just you <laughs> and Ben <laughs> debating about something totally. We've stupid. all had those. But I like feel cringy just thinking about the ones I was a part of. <laughs> Nick was probably arguing about like Pokemon or something. <laughs> you don't have strong enough feelings or you don't start a podcast about things you believe in if you don't have strong feelings on stuff. <laughs> and if you have strong feelings on stuff, you say it. Yeah, so, so and no, it wasn't it's not about Pokemon <laughs> <laughs> usually. But uh <laughs> but uh no, uh, I I enjoyed talking with Ben. Ben's a thoughtful person and and um he sent me this article. Uh, a few weeks ago, I'm finally getting to it. Sorry, Ben. 
Um, it was an article by uh, uh, the Daily Iowan, and it's titled, Iowa DNR conducts first study on gray foxes to understand a dramatic de- uh, population decline. And then the little uh, subheader says, the gray fox population has been on a decline since the 1980s with numbers currently in the hundreds. And it's by Jack Moore. So since the corn boom. Um, or is, yeah. it not, is it not related to well, agriculture? Well, 1980s is kind of, well, it is. Well, or I can't say is. It's suspected that that could be a factor. Hmm. Um. 1980s was kind of an interesting time, though, for uh, Iowa farming because that was like right during the farm crisis, you know. Well, the corn boom caused the farm crisis. Yeah. 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 And so it's it's kind of interesting. You know, and then we had that, as far as habitat goes, the late 90s up through like, I don't know, basically right around the ethanol kickoff date you know which was around 2007 or something like that mm-hmm. we ha- we had a big habitat loss shift you know so that was kind of another milestone in this time frame that they're talking about but but um yeah so the article is just saying that through the different survey methods that the state of iowa uses one of which being the iowa bowhunter survey make sure you do that if you get sent that and turn it in if you haven't turned it in yet even though it's already been due and yes i'm talking to myself um I'm turning it in. Don't worry. Nick. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, I actually feel like very honored to be a part of that. It's an awesome thing. But, but um, that's one method. And then other another method is, uh, um, I think other survey stuff done directly by the DNR, if I remember correctly, in the article, where they um, uh, either can get a collar on an animal, radio collar, or uh, use. Uh, trail cameras stuff like that to to get pictures of them but there's been a huge decline uh 90 percent population decline so nine out of ten gone and gray foxes obviously are different than red foxes i mean they they are similar in a lot of ways but uh, there's some very distinctive differences the main one being kind of the overall you know fur color but but there's some other things in there too that that highlight the differences but what is suspected to be the problem is uh um uh, first of all i and i shouldn't even say suspected because they're looking into it like it's a relatively new problem uh in 2015 they were officially listed as a species of greatest conservation need um so not endangered well right because endangered would be the whole population you know what i mean oh but just everywhere there's okay right right in iowa there looks like they're not far from blinking out right and and so they're they're starting to do studies to be like okay what's going on with this population so they think there's only hundreds left yeah but as well let me finish here for their causes they think that uh, or they worded it interestingly here. Okay, so it says, trying to find the exact wording. Um, uh, so it says, uh, 
so this is the fur bear and wetland biologist, which we should get this guy on the podcast sometime. Uh, Vince Evelsizer uh, said the study seeks to find the specific cause of mortality in the gray fox population. And uh, because there has never been a study in Iowa on gray foxes, there are more questions than answers. So that kind of, that kind of like, you know, pitches why he words it this way. So then he says, Evelsizer said changing habitat is the number one factor they are examining. Okay. Mm. So it doesn't say we know this is it. There's not yeah. enough data out there. Basically either. they're saying this is what we're guessing it is. Right. Which is a good guess because almost always that's the, yeah. you know, go and back that's to the biggest factor that's changed between now and the 1980s. Yeah, probably so. Yeah. And then, uh, he said, um, so, uh, because of land alteration over the years, which pushes gray foxes into urban areas. So, mm. so some species do just fine with that. Um, or I shouldn't, or I shouldn't say they do just fine. Pigeons. But they... Rats. Like it doesn't... Yeah. Raccoons. Raccoons. Um, squirrels. Deer and coyotes seem to do okay. Even red foxes. I've seen quite a few urban red fox yeah i love a good red fox you know i really want one as a pet right maybe if we looked at data though it would it would show otherwise but my wife and i really tried to figure out if we could legally have one (laughs) and i had a friend who's a vet tech and they were like you could just like have one and just not tell anybody you know (laughs) nice yeah yeah but if you have to bring it to the vet like good luck you know You're not allowed to have this. You'd have to go to Missouri. Starting to sound like that Netflix series again. But anyways, <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, so that they, they talked about how they just like they don't do as well there. But then also, uh, the again worded kind of interestingly here, a decline in the gray fox population is correlated. Now we know that correlation is not causation, but. Oftentimes it is, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a decline in, in gray fox population is correlated with an increase in the population of coyotes, raccoons, and bobcats. Hmm. And so uh, those are in direct competition. You know, those are that that secondary. Uh, uh, con- uh, let's see here. Consumer. Yeah, secondary consumer. Yep. Uh, that you know, they're smaller predators. They're not yeah. up there with with the the tertiary consumers. So basically you have plants that are, that are producers. Then you have the tiny little animals that are primary consumers. Right. And they're the secondary consumers. Right. And then you have tertiary consumers. Now in Iowa, it's kind of interesting because now with our modified, you know, ecosystems that we have here in a way, coyotes, bobcats, they've kind of been shifted into that tertiary consumer role because we don't Mm -hmm. have black bears anymore. We don't have, uh, we have the occasional roaming mountain lion that comes through, but not really something that's a, you know, a predictable, uh, effector of the, uh, ecosystem. You know what I mean? We also have, um, a loss of, uh, it's believed that there were wolves and and lynxes in, in Iowa at one time too. So, you know, we, and even, you know, I think, uh, um, you know, our, our friend, uh, uh, Bob Jackson has, uh, had a pretty good argument for why it, it could be believed that grizzlies may have been in mm-hmm. parts of Iowa at one time, you know, we don't have yeah. fossil record of that, but 
that I know of. But anyways, so these things have kind of been pushed into that role, but we do know that the populations of those other species have gone up greatly. And a large part of that is because of the fur market. Um, Mm. Fur has been all but boycotted. And, you know, a lot of people think they're doing wildlife a favor when they do that. But look what's happened with the raccoon numbers. And then somebody would say, yeah, but there weren't people hunting raccoons always. Right, but there also weren't giant pails of trash sitting at the end of everybody's driveway always. There weren't all these old abandoned buildings for these things to live in and multiply like like rabbits, you know what I mean? And yeah. so, so there's, there's all these other things. And because the value of the, the hides have gone away, you know, there's no motivation to kill to, a coon. Right. Right. Take away the competition. You ever eaten coon meat? No, I have not. My uh, grandfather has, and he cautions me against it. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I can't imagine eating trash leads to, well, I guess, you know, pigs. We yeah, that's those. true. Yeah. Yeah. But um, and then the last thing was um, distemper virus um, that our you know dogs like domesticated dogs mm. can have. I imagine coyotes and red foxes can yeah. carry as well. That's also like fatal to gray foxes. It said, but not so, to red foxes. Um, I don't know about. I don't think it said red foxes. That'd be interesting if it was like fatal to a, a very specific subspecies, right? Or I guess species. Um, yeah, but something to keep everyone to keep their eye on you know of all the rare things i've seen in uh iowa i've not seen a gray fox that i that i can recollect that's I've true seen, i've seen badgers i've yeah. seen was that the first time you saw a badger was that time with second me? second second time. Time. I, the other time was i saw one crossing the road right near our production fields uh headed home one one evening dude and they like what they strut yeah they they are in charge yeah man i've seen fisher a fisher up in northeast Iowa. I don't know what that which is. Which is related. It's in the uh weasel family, which I think badgers are too. The the mustelids. It's like hmm. it's kinda like a uh in between a badger and a wolverine. Like they're pretty nasty, vicious creatures. That's cool. Uh, you think, wrestle it? You rip off your oh, shirt, pro- show your hairy <laughs> chest, and just start going to town with this <laughs> fisher. Come here, boy. <laughs> No, I would probably chew my fingers off or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I I've seen bo- bobcats. I've seen Something there's another rare species I've seen here in Iowa, but but I've never seen a gray fox, and mm. I'd love to. But also sounds like I'm kind of running out of time. Yeah, too, there's apparently like two per county. So I, I when you get down to hundreds, like how do you even yeah. breed in a well, space this big? And and you know it doesn't take much at that point, like a major event. You know, like yeah, really, one really, little drought. Yeah, re, yeah, like a really bad like you know a really bad drought or you know uh some other you know virus that goes around or something you know you could totally wipe extirpate them from our state so yeah well that would be sad yeah well just a little less wildlife and a, a little more industrialism it's yeah beautiful Nick Scott, I had the state issue. You got the federal issue. Well, Kent really wanted me to talk about this. He finds it fascinating. So we are uh, $34.3 billion trillion in debt as a country. <laughs> I wish it was only yeah, billion. <laughs> billion. Yeah. Hey, Elon, could you, uh, <laughs> could you write no, a quick check? No, you bought Twitter. <laughs> you still got some left, don't you? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, recently I found out that Andrew Carnegie sold, um, sold his fortune to J.P. Morgan for the equivalent in in the year 2010 which now you know it's way more 
but the equivalent of $310 billion. And, wow. and uh, Carnegie told, later told J.P. Morgan, I think I sold it to you 30% too cheap. And uh, J.P. Morgan said, yeah, I think you did. Not crazy. He should have. He should have gotten four hundred billion dollars for that. So he was. So scaling that up to today, he was like way more wealthy. Than well, no, that is today's terms. It was like. Well, yeah, but still, I'm saying like, like even even. Yeah, that, yeah. The richest guy in the like, world, Elon's what 180 or 200 billion. It's not even close to what that guy was worth. Yeah, we. That's our, crazy. Today's entrepreneurs. I mean, those guys are the reasons we have the laws we have today. J.P. Morgan. Andrew Carnegie, um, the Vanderbilts. Uh, don't some people pronounce that Carnegie or something like that? It always know. bugs me. I don't know. They're wrong. I always, I always learned it as Carnegie. I as try well. not to be dogmatic on this podcast, but they are wrong. Listen, so we're really in debt, and 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 Kent and I were talking about like, well, how much is that per person? And and we uh, we had a little spatter because he was saying, "Well, just count every person in the U.S." And I don't think we should. I think we should count every working person in the U.S. because you know you're not gonna tell a two-year-old, hey, you've got this much debt, right? Well, but it is interesting, though, the concept of, hey, when you're born in America, you technically have this yeah, much... Yeah, you inherit this, this much, debt. much but, federal debt. But it's interesting because a lot of people think, oh, we're just borrowing money from China. And that's not really how it goes. What it does is a, a lot of it. There's different ways. But the government basically puts out bonds and those bonds get bought. And a lot of those bonds are bought by humans, actually. You know, the person who not invented, but... Um, convinced the United States government to go that, that route was Alexander Hamilton. Hmm. Uh, since his reign as the treasurer, the U.S. has never been out of debt. Um, that's interesting. That's a that's a really interesting little yeah. Aaron Burr just like shows up like, see, you should thank me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So he, he, you know, he went for a stronger U.S. government and went and and consolidated a lot of money. And the way he did that was issuing bonds. He said, mm. hey, here's your bonds. We'll guarantee 2% increase or something like that. So that's what a lot of them are at. But what, what Ken also did not know. So the the Federal um, Federal Reserve that actually like decides our interest rates and wow, things like that. Wow, let's just call us things that Ken doesn't know. Yeah, dude. This, this silly guy just looking up gray foxes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, we were talking about this. The Federal Reserve... Um, isn't governed period they're not governed by another body they are governed by their board and nobody else in fact in many cases have pushed the united states government and president around um but something more interesting than like all that boring debt that we theoretically have over us is how much actual debt humans have so we just googled it and this seems low but the average household has a hundred thousand dollars in debt um I wonder if that counts mortgage. I bet it does, but here's what I bet it also counts. 18-year-olds who um, uh, can no longer be claimed as a dependent because they are they live at college. Mm-hmm. And they've got $30,000 in debt or 60, you know what I mean? And, that, and there's so many of those that it really helps bring down the average. Or, you know, people my age that have been working at you know, Chick-fil-A or mod pizza or something for years. And they don't have any debt, but they also don't have any assets. You know, they might have $2,000 in the bank account. Um, but I was just talking, we were just talking about debt and Kent was like, you need to bring that up on the podcast. But, uh, what is, what is fascinating is that the way that the bonds work is kind of Ponzi scheme ish. Like you don't really, 
get rid of them. That here here is one thing that controls the US, that keeps the Federal Reserve from just like issuing tons and tons of bonds for the U.S. so that they're not just like collecting all the money in the world. And they um, the more bonds they issue, the more supply there is, so the demand's lower. So basically, the bonds become worth less, not worthless, but worth less than they were. And um, so when people say, like, how strong is the U.S. dollar or how strong is Britain's economy or um, what's that company that or that country that basically collapsed recently? It's over by India, maybe the Middle East. Um, well, what was, there was something going on with Greece. No, where... it wasn't Greece. Um, and there was like a lot of that, corruption. Though? You remember that, though, with Greece or there was something they were. Oh, this was just a few years ago. Like Greece is bankrupt or whatever, and and oh, I I wish I knew more about that detail. Well, the the idea is that um, a lot of countries will take on debt to um, from like large, and they have to be you know monster banks. Either they're a um, state owned bank, so like the Bank of England, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that, or they have to be just a huge like Wells Fargo, and they've got like trillions of dollars that they can you know loan out. Mm-hmm. Well, a country. Well, I can't. It's really bothering me that I can't remember this this yeah. country because it, it it just like collapsed um, because it was it was in poverty. They were they started doing a lot better. The the run the like president and his posse were taking on tons of debt to add infrastructure. The problem was they were also very corruptly like funneling some of it. Right. I mean, they're taking on hundreds of billions of dollars in debt. Oh, they end up taking on so much debt, they couldn't even pay the interest on the debt, let alone start paying down the debt. And the infrastructure, the money they'd used on infrastructure wasn't enough to help um, create more industry to pay off the debt. And here's why this matters. Because uh, I probably, without exception, man-made wildlife crises, which is like what we have with the Gray Fox, is always because of money. Not mm. always not always because of like That's a good point. deep greed and like some huge company, you know, a lot of times it's just because someone needs enough money to pay their employees well, and, or, and I think it's also where this, you know, what's the goal of this podcast? The goal is at the end, right? Conservation happens one mind at a time. Yeah. Some of it's just like a cultural mindset like, oh, yeah. oh I'm being lazy with my you know my property I own here by letting all these trees grow here. This should be good farmland. You know. What yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. Man, we we've got a neighbor just down the road, and they had some like trees and stuff. And their and their area was like their farmstead was like terrible looking, but it had like a lot of grass. And then they just like ripped it up, and it's gonna yeah. go. And it's like it's like a quarter of an acre. So it's yeah. like like what what are you gonna get off of that? You're gonna get two hundred fifty dollars a year, and you're gonna net you know a. $75. Yeah. You get $75 off of that every single year. And yeah, it was yeah. sad. Whereas all the birds and, yeah. and insects that use those exactly. trees for habitat. Man, yeah. I, we should get a worm. We've talked about this. We should get a worm expert on here because worms are like, um, like they're just decimated. Something I did find really interesting. What we, I feel like we're way over. Um, <laughs> turns out we like, we haven't even been recording the whole time. Um, <laughs> Something I found really interesting is that Roundup and all that stuff that really spiked a couple of years ago and COVID and stuff like that, it's all plummeting. I was told that the price of Roundup should be half um, this fall, this coming year as it was wow. this past year. Yeah, half. 240, any, half. Any, any idea what the reasoning is for that? 
it's probably just, just supply chain is is going better now or um it's probably partially that and partially Monsanto charges what they want to charge, not how much it costs. Like, for instance, my wife and I are starting a coffee shop. You take your cost of goods and you multiply it by four. That's supposed to be your price, right? So they should basically cost of what it costs to make a bottle of Roundup, multiply it by a sound number. Maybe it's 10. You know, maybe that's what they need because they have how much infrastructure. Uh, but that's what they, well, no. They're just like, well, how much can that farmer pay without going bankrupt? And and so because the there's a lot more supply, it's easier to get it. They're like, well, Farmers aren't really willing to pay as much right now, or they're not able to pay as much right now because there's a little bit of a recession and they'll go down. Uh, that's me being skeptical or pessimistic. Mm. It's me being pessimistic. So yeah, well, it's a it's an interesting thing to connect it to. And man, I didn't expect the national debt to come full circle with gray foxes. And how nicely done. It always it, uh, you can circle money into anything. It it's because money is fake. It just represents your resources and what you value, what a society yeah. values. So. We what value what your time is worth. Yeah. And we value having things now, which is why people have so much debt. It's because we say that's future Kent's problem, dude. And, and sometimes man, past Nicholas is a real jerk. <laughs> <laughs> he's a real jerk, especially when he saves work for the last minute. You know? Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> past Nicholas. <laughs> Nick, me Nick wakes up every day. Curse you. Past yeah. Nicholas. <laughs> Got me in all this debt. <laughs> all right. Well, Hey, don't forget, we are sponsored by Hoxie Native Seeds. If you are needing any native seeds or have a neighbor. Still getting needs- calls every day. Oh, yeah. Also, if you got a neighbor that's got a good spot for a pollinator, you just go in there in the middle of the night, you rip up that grass, and you <laughs> buy some pollinator, and then you send them the bill. Vigilante habitat restoration They'll work. thank you, maybe. Don't actually do that. You should ask them respectfully. And then bring them cookies. Yeah. All right. See you next time. See you.